I've been kind of sharing mostly one and done type things or maybe two messages. I'm going to do another one today called Know Him. And there is a theme throughout the Bible that we sure don't want to lose. Uh, there, there's, you know, there are other religious books in the world and different things like that. And, uh, but one theme that is throughout the Bible is this uh, relationship with God. And that can be so differently interpreted, but what is it like from what we can read through the Bible? And to me, that is the gold standard. Not just what, what I think or what other people have told me, but what does the Bible say about knowing God? And, and is knowing God just another religious approach? You know, uh, this religion, you know, or that religion, and then the one we follow. Well, there's an interesting thought because in the Bible about religion, you know, other world religions are really man's approach trying to get to God. The Bible is this, God getting back into man's life when man failed. And then it shares things about an intimacy with God or a knowing of God on a personal, personal level. And really, this that we see on a personal level is the only religion in the world that connects at a level that answers the cry of man. Let me say that again. There is a cry in humanity to know God, to know the Creator. They know something's out there. And, and so can we know Him? And then how can we know Him? To me, that's what I desired when I was in the world and didn't even know it when I didn't walk with God. Uh, I, I tried all the things that the world said would do it, whether it was drugs and alcohol or every type of whatever, you know, that was available at the time and um, realized making money is not a bad thing. Um, and it can be good because we need money. And the more, the merrier. Nobody cares about money. Oh, people do. You just sometimes you need to act religious about it. But it's the truth. Money isn't good or bad. It's just it's a tool. And um, But I was searching for things. Then when I uh, saw a friend of mine give his life to the Lord and um, saw this dramatic change in his life, I thought, wow, that is really different. But it didn't sell the deal. Once I, God started dealing with me, I just, he kind of drew me to him. I saw where I was at, saw that I was empty, saw that there was something needed, and I realized that there was a hell and a heaven, and I didn't want to go to hell, so we'll go for heaven. You know, some people come to God because they want to know God, or just somebody introduces him to them, they accept Jesus. But I was one of the ones who said, you know what? I didn't like hard times here, and I'm thinking hell's got to be way worse than that. I'm opting out. You know, I don't want to go. I want to do this. But something happened that day on September 10th, 1985, 
when I rededicated my life to the Lord, all of a sudden there was something that nobody told me about. Religion didn't tell me about it. Uh, my friend didn't even tell me about it. What had happened was I, I said, Lord, I, I make this money. I have this girlfriend and I have this. And I went through all this list of things and this is this and these are all good, you know, and I'm empty. This is it. I know something's missing. I said, if you want my life, and I just said it sincerely. I wasn't bargaining with him. I wasn't playing, let's make a deal. I just said, look, you can have it. And when that happened, something changed, not in my mind or in my body, something way beyond me changed. And after that, this is something that has made all the difference in me. I wanted to know him. I wanted to know him. I, I knew him that day in a way I never knew him, but after that, I wanted to know him. I mean, I don't even know how to say that. I wanted to know him more. I wanted to know him more than people. I wanted to know him more than things. I had this encounter, and it was really good, and it wasn't just like a formula. It wasn't like, you know... Oh, you ordered this and you got this. Yes, this is good. There was something in the core of me, and I wanted to know him. Like I wanted everything else in the world before. I didn't care about anything else. I wanted to know him. Meaning, it wasn't that I didn't care about people. It wasn't that I didn't care about my job. Everything just seemed to click down a notch. And, and all of a sudden, God, who wasn't on the radar before, he wasn't on the chart of the top 50. I mean, he probably was if I had blank space. I'd say, yeah, God's important. But he wasn't. But all of a sudden, he moved all the way to the top of the chart, and it wasn't just a choice. It was just something changed in me, and I wanted to know him. I was knowing him, and I wanted to know him. Turn to Philippians, the third chapter. There was a religious guy in the Bible who used to persecute Christians. He talked bad about them. He'd throw them in jail. He'd beat them. He did all kinds of things. He would beat them so bad that he would torture them. There's a story one time where he... Um, there was this one Christian who had a guy who had come to know the Lord and was sharing his faith, and uh, they decided we're going to kill him. And this guy, Paul, or Saul, as he's also known in the Bible, um, held all the jackets of the people and coats so they could throw these rocks at him and kill him. And it said he would consent to people's deaths. Like, in other words, he was like, yeah, let's kill them. They, they're Christians. And he went from hateful toward Christianity, hearing the message and giving his life to the Lord. And after he gave his life to the Lord, you see this dramatic change. And I don't know how to explain it, but I know it's real. And I had this. Philippians, the third chapter, and we'll begin reading in the uh, 10th verse. He said, he talked about before how he had 
all his own endeavors, his own religious endeavors, and all these different things. He said, I count them waste. He, he, he had been real religious, knew the religious rules, lived a real religious life. And then he had an encounter with God where he gave his life to Jesus, and then he said this, that I may, verse 10 of the third chapter, that I may know him. This is what he goes on. We kind of cut right into the middle, and he talked about how instead of working and all these different rules, he had come into this living relationship, and he said, what I really want in life is that I might know him. That is not just a statement. It was beyond a statement. It was the cry of this man from beyond his emotions, beyond his you know, daily functions of life. He just said, I want to know him. I want to know him. You know, we can all go, yeah, I want to know him. But there's something, or I want to know that person. And there's one thing to have that in our heads, but there's one thing, like when the Bible said, deep calleth unto deep. There's something about Every person who comes to know the Lord, there's something in them that cries out to know Him. And that's something we never want to lose. You know, we don't want to come to the place where we want to just know the Scriptures because I want to give everybody a proper answer. You know what the answer is to the world? You need to know Him for yourself. And there is just something about, I don't want to lose knowing him for being able to quote every scripture in the Bible and be like, well, this is what it says, and this is what it says, and this is what it says. I didn't sign up for that. When I came to know the Lord, I started knowing him, and then I wanted to know him more. And Paul said that I might know him and that I might know the power of his resurrection. He talks about some different things. In other words, how that Christ suffered for humanity to provide for humanity. He said, I want to know this that he bought and paid for. But he said, I want to know him. Now here, turn to First John way back, right before the book of Revelation. The current news, you could say, book. Revelation... And then right before you find Jude, one chapter, first, second, third John. This guy, John, had an experience that wasn't afforded to too many people, but he actually walked with Jesus when he was here upon the earth. He got to hear his words, he got to see Jesus' relationship with the Father. And but at this point, Jesus died and rose again and is in heaven. He's been commissioned to talk to us, to talk to the world, to introduce the world to a living Savior. We we are introducing the world to a living Savior. But it's not that we're introducing the world to a living Savior. We're walking with the living Savior. And we can know the living Savior. Man, when, when our mind is troubled, when life gets hard, we're not alone. We should remember we have a living Savior that is powerful. And so here he said this in verse 1, That which was from the beginning, 
Now remember, he wrote the book of John and he said, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And then later on in those verses, he said, the Word became flesh. And the Word he was talking about was Jesus. And he uses that same terminology. He said, that which was from the beginning, he's talking about Jesus. Which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, and we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. He was talking about when he got to walk here upon the earth. He said, I, I got to look at this word that became flesh, this Jesus, this God in the flesh. And he said, my eyes beheld him. He said, I really had an experience with him walking on the earth. And he said, he said I, I was able to touch him. And we know uh, when, when Judas was about to betray him, he was leaning up against the Lord. And the other disciples said, hey, why don't you, because you're real close, ask him this question. So he, when he said, here, look, my eyes have seen, my ears have heard. I was so close, I got to touch him, I walked with him. He was the word of life. He was living life in the flesh. Not living his best life. He was living out life. He was portraying what was in God. And then he said this, the life was manifested, or it was apparent, and we have seen. In other words, all of us that walked with him, we experienced it. And he said it was manifested, and we have seen it, and we bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us, talking about Jesus. Notice verse 3. That which we've seen and we've heard we declare to you that you also may have fellowship or intimacy, interaction, or you could say it this, this way, we, we know him. We're, we're interacting with him. And he said that we may fellowship, or let me read that verse 3 again. That which we have seen and heard we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship or intimacy with us. And truly our fellowship and interaction is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Basically what he was saying is, we experienced something when he was here on the earth, but beyond that, he's dead, he's gone. But we're still having a relationship. And he basically introduced humanity to an intimacy and a real relationship. You know, there's a scripture in the Old Testament that says, as a deer pants for water. In other words, it, it, it makes a sound of like a deer wandering around and needing water and, and then craves it so it goes to get a drink. He said, as a deer pants for water, so my soul longs for you. And these type of expressions throughout the Bible show that humanity can really have a relationship with God beyond a religious rule. 
There's nothing wrong with you in your private time saying, God, I want to know you better. I want to know you better than people. I want to love people. I want to love you, but I really, really, really want to get to know you better. And we can. One of the main keys to this relationship, and really it's the bottom line, is the Bible. The Bible introduces us to Jesus, but it also helps us to walk intimately with him. And when I mean intimately, at a level where he deals with you. And when I mean deal with you, I don't mean he goes, hey, what's your problem? But I mean he, he just causes you to know him. You start interacting with him. It gets richer and richer as the days go by. That's what we signed up for. Not, not some religious idea. And maybe we didn't know what we were signing up for. Maybe like me, it was like fire insurance. I don't want to burn in hell. You know, don't want that. Little did I know what was out there. And the key to this is really the Bible. It may sound odd because we're so used to gathering information in our day and age. You know, uh, I can, if I want to know anything, I can just talk to the other person, Google, not that other lady, and uh, get answers, you know, they just, and, and or I can go uh, on a search engine, look anything up today, I don't have to have encyclopedias. Somebody's like, what are those? It was all the knowledge we had packed in a few books, you know, and if you wanted an answer, you go look it up. Now, we just can gather information and gather information and gather information. And, and nobody, you know, I can answer anybody anything today because I can just look it up. But, but we need to realize this. We, we gather knowledge all the time and it's readily at our fingertips. But there's something different about the Bible, and we don't want to approach the Bible like it's another book of information. It's not another book of information. Turn to Luke 24. There is something different about the Bible, and it is very connected to uh, answering the cry of man of walking with God on a daily basis. There is something that can and should happen through the Bible. It may not be a voice we hear, but it is something that will occur in us. Just like the disciples when we get into his book. Remember this, this book that we are gathering information is not for harshness of a standard. It's about a relationship it's about intimacy, it's about a depth. And I know this, if we walk with him truly, he'll help adjust our lives. We'll begin to change. If we are leaning toward just the book, the book, the book, and not the intimate part of it, we might come to the place of being harshly religious. Are there standards to life? Absolutely. But there's another thing called growth. 
everybody should be afforded that. A baby shouldn't come to church and then you tell them, how could you just wear that cloth around your waist? We wear three-piece suits here, you little boy. Leather shoes and polished. No, young people, we realize they need to grow, hopefully. So shouldn't we be real merciful to them when they don't exactly believe like you that knows everything? Wait a minute. Nobody knows anything. You know, Paul, and we're going to look at this maybe some more, but one of the things he said, not that I know everything, but I'm pressing on when he said, I want to know him. And he talked about how it was connected to knowledge. One thing that if we're going to grow in knowledge, we have to grow in love. We have to grow in mercy. Because, boy, if not, then the younger ones are going to get it. And the younger ones need mercy too. Because don't we all? If, no, if you didn't say yes, ouch. But we all do. And we want to be kind and we want to mix love with truth. Isn't it interesting, the writings of the Bible, how they connect truth and love together? Like speaking the truth and love may grow up. There is just something about love with the truth that affords people the opportunity to grow. But what do we want them to grow in? The truth? We want them to grow with God in intimacy. We want people to leave and them to know God better. Not just know a scripture, but they are intertwined when it's appropriate and right. And it's always appropriate and right. But we don't want them to leave just gaining more knowledge and saying, well, I've got, you know, I can go win this argument. And sure, we want to know the standards of life and the truth. And we don't want to be overcome by lies through arguments. But there is something to be said about knowing the living God, the living Savior in that word. And so right here in Luke 24, verse 32, it said, verse two, 31, we'll start in 31. This is their, one of the, some of the disciples' first encounters after Jesus died and rose again. And it's interesting how they got to know him, how they knew him. It said in verse 31, Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him. How many of you realize it wasn't their natural eyes that were opened? It was their spiritual eyes were opened. You know, the Bible talks about people, the light came and they closed their eyes to the light. Well, that didn't mean they were walking around with their eyes closed, banging into a wall. No, they just rejected the truth. But he said, their eyes were opened and they knew him. And then he vanished from their sight, from their natural sight. Verse 32 said, and they said to one another, did not our heart burn or get stirred within us or churn within us? 
within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scripture to us. So his verbal words and the written words that they were hearing actually were the things that produced intimacy. They didn't say, oh, well, I learned these five scriptures. They said there was a living reality that was coming to me while I was hearing that. There was a living something that was taking place. We were getting to know him and getting to know God better just by hearing these truths. So it wasn't truth and scripture and words without a living dynamic. And these disciples and different ones realized that one of the vital things about the Bible is it's not about a bunch of rules. But it is some kind of interaction that takes place beyond just intellectual gathering of knowledge because the Bible said knowledge of certain truths just puffs a person up. And when he talks about that, and talks about being puffed up, it's kind of like bread with yeast in it. It gets full of a bunch of air. It's not solid. But he said, when you get the truth, and get the truth in love, and get it appropriately, he said, you're not going to be full of a bunch of air. Hot air. There's going to be some substance occurring in you. There, there's going to be a depth of I'm knowing him. I'm knowing him better. I'm just not quoting more scriptures, but that scripture is doing what it's supposed to. It's connected with knowing him and intimacy and experience or reality, you could say. And they said, did our hearts not burn in us? Didn't we know when the word came, when the scripture was read? There is just stuff in the scripture that can do things to you that are phenomenal. Turn to Psalm 119. The longest psalm, really the longest uh, chapter, whatever, verse-wise, in the Bible. Psalms 100. And 19, and really it's all about the Word, the Bible, the truth. And there are some very fascinating things in there. You know, when you're facing problems in life, facing good times in life, one thing we ought to do is go to the book. Whether it's generally or specifically finding things, just going to the book. Now, maybe don't go to the lineage there in Leviticus where it says so-and-so begot so-and-so, and so-and-so begot so-and-so, and so-and-so begot so-and-so, you know, and you're like, wow, an hour of begotting so-and-sos. And those are important information, but there are just scriptures in there as we read that will come alive to us and God will be able to become something through those scriptures to our inward person that you can't get anywhere else and will be able to answer and help and fix things in your life just because you're walking with them in this way. 
Look at this in Psalm 119, verse 28. It says this, My soul melts from heaviness, or literally through stress, through depression, through hard times. When he's talking about the soul, he's talking about, I'm not having a good emotional day today. What was his solution? He said, strengthen me according to your word. In other words, when I get into the word, there's something beyond just knowledge, something just beyond information, though it is information, there's something living with it that can change depression, that can change heaviness, can give you answers in stressful times. Why? Because it's living. It's just not a transfer of knowledge like what we would look at on the internet or look at on TV or, you know, wherever it is, some book. It's way different than that. It's the living God conveying stuff to you in a way that's different than any other book. And he said... It's the answer here to heaviness. In all reality, it is the answer to the hungry heart who wants to know God better and walk this life in all of its assets or and all of its nuances and everything that goes on in life. It's the book that helps us to have Him just walk with us. Somebody said, well, He never leaves you. No, he doesn't. Once you're saved, he's in you. But how many of you know that though he's in you, uh, that doesn't always mean there's a richness to it. But he invites everybody to that treasure house of riches to walk with him so that in all that you do, you recognize him with you. Because he's a friend that sticks closer to a brother. Notice this in Acts, and I think we'll stop right here. Acts, the second chapter. This was the secret sauce of success for the early disciples. And really, in the Old Testament, it was the secret sauce. We just need to be careful we don't reduce the secret sauce to just, oh, some writing on the wall that I must read. Everybody should approach the Bible, maybe not every time you read it, but at some times or, or on your own where you go, God, I, I want to know you better. I, I want to know you in reality. This can't be somebody else's relationship. This is me and you. This can't be my mom's. It can't be my cousin's. I see these people. They're super excited. They seem to have some real richness. I need, I need. And then don't limit you to what you see in other people. It might be something good to get you to draw you to want to walk richly with him. But don't limit yourself there. Just reach as far as you can from within and say, God, I want to know you better. I don't care what other people know you as, and I've seen some people at all different places. I, I want to know you better.
I want to know you richer. I want to know you more. We used to sing a song, I want to know you more. But because of the push of technology and you got to have a new song, we need to get another song. But what about I want to know you more? What about that? That That's not condemning. And it's not, it, it's a broad statement to everybody. But hopefully it's an individual thing that people grab onto individually and go, uh, regardless about other people, I, I, I want to know you more. I want to know you more. The Bible said people who hunger and thirst, he, he'll make sure you get filled. So if you hunger to know him more, you know, somebody said, yeah, but the Bible said you'll never thirst again if you get to know him, you'll never hunger again. No, all that means is you found where to eat. That doesn't mean you lose your appetite because the Bible said meat belongs to those who are full age, who are growing with God. So you should have an appetite that continually goes forward. Because if we look at things real narrow, we'll get real dogmatic and we'll get critical. Realize this, we can know him better and better and better and better. And that should be something in us that goes, I want that. If you crack the door a little, it'll start opening more and more. Because God is a gentleman. And he won't just invade your life and take over and get you in a headlock and go, you're going to know me. No, one thing about a relationship, and I said this, is so true. How many people fantasize about some Hollywood star, I, I wish I had a relationship with them. It would be so empty if you ever had it. You know, I'm going to kidnap them. You know, you ever hear that? You know, and then, then we're going to have this relationship. You kidnapping them is not going to make them go, I love being with you. This is exciting. I mean, the handcuffs, the rope, and the duct tape, I could do without, but this is exciting. Well, you ain't going to no restaurant with them. Relationship with somebody has got to be a two-way street. And God's side of the street is he'll have a rich relationship with whosoever will. And he may reach and poke and prod and want to get to know you. and know, Well, he knows you, but you to get to know him. But when you start going, I want to know you more. Then he'll go, good, because I've really wanted to have something with you greater and greater. And... Another thing is he's not going to hold everything over your head. Thank you for your past. Your past yesterday. Somebody said, oh good, my past is way back there. No, the past yesterday. Are you there in the Acts of the Apostles? Good, because I'm not. That gives the second chapter, we're going to read this verse and close. But like I said, this theme is throughout the Bible and, and really, there is just something about what we do, what we do as a church, 
In other words, when we sing songs, it's not just so we can sense His presence. But isn't sensing His presence wonderful? But it's because we want people to know Him better. Have an opportunity to spend some time where He can deal with them and they can deal with Him. Because you know you can deal with God and He can deal with you. You ever dealt with God? What about this? What about this? And He'll deal with you. What about this? Acts the second chapter. This is the beginning of people being introduced to God. And this is the gold standard. Acts 2 verse 36. He's preaching the Bible, this living book, that is not to be reduced to just a book. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly, talking about just preaching, talking to these Jewish people, assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord or the one in command, and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. It wasn't just mental information. They were being introduced to intimacy through the Scripture. And it did something beyond their mind where they went, whoa, there's a reality here that I didn't know was here. And it said they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and to the rest of the disciples, men and brethren, what shall we do? What were they saying? How do we follow up on this? How do we come into this new life? What do we do? We're experiencing some intimacy, something beyond, and he's dealing with us. What do we do? Well, he had already told them, you got to call on the Lord and you can be saved. You can come into this richness. And so they described what they needed to do, but it's interesting that they came into this Christianity by knowing God, knowing Jesus. And really, the whole walk afterwards is walking with Him and knowing Him better and better. What do we introduce to people? What does the world need? Another religion? Another rule book? Or a living book and a living relationship? So we want to work on our walk. Why? Because what am I giving? Silver and gold, Peter said, I don't have, but what I do have, I can give to you. What do we have? We have the start of a relationship and fellowship and interaction. And as we walk with God it can get richer and richer. So what is the world going to be introduced to? Something richer and richer. And in a deprived world, they need something rich. And we've got it.
I said, we've got it. 